This podcast is about spoilers and discussion. It's also about spooky stuff. You know, any film that we talk about here, we recommend you see in advance. You've been warned. All right, you primitive screwheads, listen up. What an excellent day for an exorcism. Horror. There is no shortage of monsters to haunt our dreams. Horror. You got red on you. They're coming to get you, Barbara. Horror. Alive. It's alive. Groovy. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another brand new episode of Oh, the Horror. It's the horror movie podcast where we take a look at classic and modern horror films from an expert and a newcomer's perspective. I'm the newcomer, Steve Allman. And I'm the expert, Rob Holmes. And today, we are looking at the 1982 classic from Toby Hooper, Poltergeist. Yeah, this one's great, man. This is a childhood classic. I feel like uh, if you were born in the 80s... You grew up on Poltergeist. So I, when I was a kid, I kind of wanted to see, like, I wanted to, like, delve into scary movies just a little bit. And when I was a kid growing up in the 90s, that was, like, kind of the thing that was, like, talked about a lot. My parents, like, straight up would never let me see that. Really? Only because, yeah, because I, like, they just kept saying that it was, like, it was, like, horrifically violent and incredibly scary and worse than, like, you know, so many other movies. And, uh... I gotta say that, like, it, th- this movie's great. This movie's yeah. super, super good. Uh, still, so relatively tame by it's, even I mean, things that came you know, before. For 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 a PG film in 1982, there is some stuff in here. There is that there definitely is. There pushes were, there the limits. But this is one of those films that was a catalyst for the PG-13 uh, rating. Actually, you know, this was funny because this was the first film that Steven Spielberg produced, right? And it seems like a lot of stuff Steven Spielberg directed or produced, especially this and afterwards, um, were the catalyst for the PG-13 rating. Gremlins, this, um, Indiana Jones, or, or Raiders of the Lost Ark, and then uh, Temple of Doom right after that. Like, all of these films, PG at the time, and all extremely violent and all involving Steven Spielberg. Yes. Uh, it's a it's a fascinating type of movie because we get to see a lot of influences, mainly from pulling from Spielberg's camp, uh, because I would have sworn that like Spielberg had directed this himself. Okay, you know what that's there's a lot of controversy and a behind that. And th- that is well there's 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 some arguments behind saying that um, Spielberg had more of a hand in it and was actually directing the parts and that Hooper was green at doing this type of stuff. Now, granted, Hooper had not been doing a lot of Hollywood films. He had done his mainly independent stuff. So he was working very closely with Spielberg. Uh, and I feel like that there was more of a collaboration going on with that because a lot of people will still say, no, this is, this is very much Hooper's film, um, you know, cast and, and people who are involved. Oh, but so, we see a lot of Spielberg's hand in this. Like, I can oh, easily see. Well, I mean, see. obviously, he's the producer, so he's going to have final say, really, of what's going out on this. Um, and and it definitely works very well. This is based on one of his ideas as a follow-up to Close Encounters called, I think, Dark Skies or Night Skies or something like that. 
and it kind of took a turn into the supernatural and and kind of a really awesome ghost story that is very very layered and you have a lot of character development and so many just amazing moments with this family yeah, no, th- like, like um, not only is this like a very good like spooky horror movie like this is right. straight up great story this it's is a so great, good this is great writing for a multitude of characters like almost everybody that you are introduced to on screen there's an immediate presence to that you immediately can understand their character even the small bit roles of like their next door neighbor who fucks with their remote settings on their tv that part's great like, and it's very it's a, it's spielberg a, and it's you know he he had the story it was his story and it was his screenplay um with michael grass and uh mark victor but you know it was definitely heavily Spielbergian you know this is the epitome of what Spielberg is and I can see why there is that controversy that goes on between it but you know Spielberg could not be the be-all end-all he had other films that he was working on as well so Toby Hooper came in to add up that scare value and he really did like he brought it this movie oh man that I mean the you have so you there's so many terrifying moments in this just set pieces and elements of this movie I think the main strength of this movie, uh, again, we we I, we keep mentioning Spielberg, but uh, it's it's that type of Spielbergian uh, wonder and uh, uh, mystery that goes into a lot of movies that like deal with the supernatural or the mysterious and stuff like that. I was more intrigued and enthralled than actually scared because it, it's it's captivating. It's a captivating story because. We had like a lot of a lot of conversations could compare these things or like a lot of movies can draw influence from a movie like this because this kind of is uh, the best case scenario framework for the like house possession movie like a not not a tamer exorcist, but a like uh, a more mystical or uh, again, je ne sais quoi for. See, I would uh, I would be basing this. I would be talking more Amityville horror on this because exactly Amityville or the Conjuring. Was more of that the Conjuring could our, be con- well. Let's contracted. go based on its timing. Let's not let's not compare it really into something modern. Let's go based on the time that this came out. You know, we have more of it relating to something of Amityville horror, right? So this went for something that was a, in my opinion, way scarier than Amityville horror way more effective, didn't need to be rated R, and there's no body count in this entire film. Oh, wait, I'm sorry, the bird, right in the beginning, and that's exactly. it. Exactly. That, that's kind of, that still blew my mind, that it was more, it felt like an adventure at this point. Oh, you know what, her at, goldfish like, at, have to turn. be dead, too. Her goldfish are gone, so okay, goldfish Yeah, her goldfish are, are gone. Too. Or they're lost in the void and still somehow living in the They void. might be, they know. may <laughs> have gone into the other side and are now just floating around there. Exactly. So I again, it's it's the fact that uh, I was captivated and rarely scared or freaked out or grossed out. There are there are a few moments where there are some it, horrifying it almost, it, moments in this movie. Yes, like, and it, let's that almost not, sort of, let's sort of, not try and pretend. No, no, that no, no I'm aren't. not. No, I'm not. I'm not. I'm not taking that away from this. It's more of the fact that like it, it almost feels like the more terrifying that it gets, or the more uh, gory in some cases that it is. It feels like it almost takes a step out of itself, and it's just like, all right, here's something incredibly insane and violent that we're going to show you, uh, just to flex a little bit. And I really, really liked it uh, because it because it was shocking. Used it very sparingly, and uh, I, I think I think going into the cast, amazing. 
Oh, yeah. I mean, the casting, you know, we're talking Jo Beth Williams, who she's, man, she's killer in this film. She's, oh, she's absolutely, great. She, she is one of the best um, movie moms ever. And really, it doesn't even seem as much like a mom, just like the, the heroine of the film, you know? Um, For sure. And then you have uh, Craig T. Nelson. Goddamn man. Craig T. Nelson. C- coach. Coach. God. Uh, he's, so, he's the best dad. He's such a he's, good dad. He's I, so great. And and just just talking about the dynamics of the, of this parents the, like these parents alone, I they're so cool. They're like actually fun and involved parents. Like they smoke pot together and just goof around sometimes. Like they're not like the this these uptight uh, like squares that are just from the suburbs. And they're like, oh no, w- there's a ghost in the house. What do we do? No, when when shit goes down, they are actively like trying to figure out what is wrong. And are committed to, like, okay, we're it, it, experiencing with the paranormal. Who do we contact? Okay, what they're, do we need to they're do? They're, like, the best family ever because we have – so I think most people know Poltergeist for the most part. I don't really know how much we need to go into the story. Um, I mean, the story is know, effectively very simple because it's, it's yeah, a it's lot very, of just it's great like, set pieces. Right. It, I mean, it's simple enough in the fact that, you know, this family, they, they live in this um, – New, I guess it's kind of a new neighborhood, you know, because it's part of this new residential compound, and they're they keep building new uh, add-ons to it. Uh, uh, and Craig T. Nelson works for um, the guy who's played by James Karen. Like his boss is James Karen. We talked about him in Return of the Living Dead. So there's really he was in a lot of stuff in the '80s, a lot of horror stuff. Um, so that was a cool thing to see him in that. Uh, but we we kind of delve into this family right away. Uh, we have a son, a daughter, and then a younger daughter, um, Carol Ann, who sees something in the TV. Like, right away, we have this moment of, of there's something here. And boom, it, it just kind of, you know, happens again. Next thing you know, a couple scenes later, she gets sucked into a TV. So the whole thing is we have to get her daughter back. And it's 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 insane. Like they the way this family reacts to it is they instead of being torn apart or denying it or acting insane and calling the cops and just being like, we don't know what to do in the traditional way that you would expect the film to go or at least how it has gone um, since this film. They bond together. They know the ticks of what's going on. This has probably been going on for weeks at this point. And. It's just so it, watching these paranormal investigators come in and actually be freaked out because they start hyping up what they do, saying, oh, yeah, well, uh, we saw this paranormal anomaly and it was so crazy. We saw this car move like seven inches over the course of seven hours or something. Yeah. And it's and it's like it becomes this gigantic mystery and movie about discovery on everybody's account because everybody is still trying to like a figure out why it's happening like obviously the motivation is clear in getting the kid back but uh, it's there like the idea of like throwing the rope in the void or like having the different numbered tennis balls like that's a very like basic rinky dink operation just to be like all right well we'll see where this goes kind of a thing like these aren't experts experts like they're just trying to figure out what works and well the, the original is... group that comes in they they kind of think they know what they're doing because they've dealt with smaller 
type stuff before. So what I really like this is that it takes the piss out of it where the family is totally calmed by this. But you, you even see um, Dr. Lesh, I think, when she comes in, she just starts shaking at one point. I think it's Dr. Lesh. Um, she just is, like, shaking, I think, as she's stirring her tea or something like that, like, after she sees all of the the stuff flying around and the action figure on the horse and, you know, the record playing with a, with a compass that tries to stab them all. I, I just love that because it subverts the expectations of what you would normally have in, in, a, in a film like this. Yes, I I completely agree. I, I think that uh, we can talk about the effects because not only just the, like, uh, makeup and prosthetic effects that we can see uh, from a couple of scenes, but I think a lot of the set pieces based on like effects for that kid's room, for all of the types of crazy things that happen in it, like the like sucking in of the kids into the void uh, from the closet, and oh man, uh, like what it turns, what everything turns into over time. It's almost like as the house gets more desperate you see this the the other side and the regular you know the real world just start merging together and that actually really fully does happen at the climax of the of the movie but um in the beginning you have you you have the tree attacking uh the boy and trying to like the youngest son uh Robbie and trying to pull him out and like it eats him it eats the kid and like the dad right away is like, no way, I'm getting my son back. And just starts going ballistic to try and get him out. His reaction is not, oh no, what is this? This is insane. It's, I have to save my kid. Which is what I really love about this film. It's not people being shocked for too long. I mean, there are shocking moments for them. But it's really about this family coming together in and defying all odds. Right. This like this could have just been uh, like about a kid being kidnapped and they would have had just the same amount of determination and just the same amount of like all right, this is what we got to do. This is what we're like I I it's so refreshing to see these characters not be helpless, to not be immediately victimized by the 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 crazy things that are happening around them while it's easy for them to just easily be overwhelmed and leave it to the paranormal experts and then it becomes their movie they are still very much the central figures of like no the paranormal experts is like you have to go do this because she trusts you who does she fear most who's she going to listen to the most like that's active involvement in a story like this. And I don't understand why that hasn't translated into modern films. Like that's, it's, it's a tough thing. I think it, you know, it, when you get a client, when you get somebody like Spielberg and you get somebody like Toby Hooper working together, this film is just so, there's so many layers, like in the buildup to Carol Ann even getting taken, you know, you deal with the TV people as she calls them and the TV, like it tries to get her once already. Um, you start seeing subtle stuff happen, like the forks getting bent, uh, the chairs when the mom, um, <laughs> when Diane, like, walks away and pushes in a chair and then she turns back and they're all stacked up in a pyramid. And then instead of freaking out, when when Steve comes home, Diane is like, oh, you have to come here and see this. And just you're watching stuff move across uh, the floor. And then she puts... 
uh, she puts little Carol Ann there and puts a helmet on her head and is like, are you right. ready, sweetie? And she's like, yeah. And Carol Ann gets dragged across the floor. Like, they don't freak out. Instead of freaking out, they're just totally fascinated by this. Yeah. And I love and that reaction. It is. That's a, And it's a fascinating type of reaction, especially from the mom, because I – like, Craig T. Nelson is just, like, kind of shook from all of this, as we can see, and he clearly plays that so well. But uh, – the idea that something like this happens and they're immediately fascinated by it. And it's not played for laughs, but it's more just, again, played for wonderment and discovery. That's a very interesting, that's a very Spielbergian thing as well. Where something well, and crazy it's, it's, I happens. I guess, yeah, I mean, it's, it's a way we, we keep saying Spielbergian. And I think it's, we always want to say Spielberg. You know what it is? It's not necessarily Spielbergian. I think he reintroduced something that used to be in a lot of films, and it was you're creating a world, you're creating layers. It's not just this basic story. Things are always going on around them. And in a lot of classic films, that's how it was too. You had side characters who just had their little moments. Um, you know, you have the workers who are, you know, digging the pool and they have their moments of sitting through there, drinking the coffee through the window, and she closes the blinds on them. I mean, that's very small stuff but it, it's something that Spielberg is taking the films that he loved and the subtle things that were in those and utilizing them in the stuff that he was writing and directing later on and it's the same thing Toby Hooper was doing with this and working with Spielberg absolutely because I think the because lesser movies would have would spend half that movie of the family getting over the fact that that chair moved like, yeah, and th- them not knowing what to do to do with it, but instead, no, it would it, be like, it would I, be the kid saying something, no one believing the kid. This goes on for forty five minutes, right? And then, then they believe him after th- something insane happens. Well, no, something insane happens, but there's still something skeptical. Then something big has to happen around like the fifty five minute point. If this is like a two hour movie, or maybe like the hour point, and then they believe. But this movie goes right into it. You know, she believes immediately, like her daughter, when when this is going on. Plus, she's seeing this as well. You know, there's stuff going on with that. It's not just this movie hits hits it out of the park. Like it just it hits everything that I want in a film, especially in this type of film. And then when we get into a lot of the effects of when we're seeing these creatures that appear and these apparitions. Um, there's yeah. one that looks like this giant beast, this skeletal beast at one moment, and it's only in there for a few seconds in the film, but there's so many things like that in this movie. And that... it's varied, too. Like, there isn't one yes. sort of uniform design from all of this stuff, and it really makes you feel that, like, oh, this is just a bunch of aberrations from beyond that don't really, like, they don't even stylistically make the same choices like some of no, it like one is it just a giant great. flesh head that comes oh, out dude. of the closet which is awesome that's, to see it's so awesome because yeah it's at one of those moments where it's like i'm gonna get him the, the head comes out and it's just, and just that screams at him the screams right in his face and it's so epic there's so many of these moments and then the face peel which I mean, to me, that's one of the most insane things. I remember seeing that as a kid and just being absolutely horrified by that. Oh, there it's, are it's really grotesque. disturbing it's absolutely... moments for children in this. And that is, I think that's the one that pushes the limits. Because when you see that, I'm like, dude, I don't even know how you got that past the censors. Because I, honestly, I don't that's understand. some rated because that R is, shit. 
it's too much. Like, it, I could easily – like, how in 1982 did that pass and still get no rated idea. PG? I like, I, I don't like, know. Like, this is clearly the Spielberg clout that gets you – that keeps it in the movie, let alone what, stays what, in no, the no, PG. No, 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 no. What, what clout, man? Jaws. That was pretty much what he had. He had that and maybe another Probably. film or two. We hadn't hit the point – no, he had just done Raiders. I think Raiders was coming out this year or had just come out. So he had just done Raiders, I think, in 1981. Um, so, yeah, he had had some clout by that point. But to be able to... I mean, you could get a lot of stuff going in a PG film. There, there were pushing the limits. This was, you know, as I said, part of the reason why PG-13 was created, or essentially Spielberg films. I'm, I'm just completely floored. I just keep thinking about certain moments. I'm actually taking a look at this uh, as we're talking in the background at certain... Certain moments of it, just because I, I, there's a few clips I like watching in particular. Oh, and uh, the dog lives in this movie, by the way. Oh, right. One <laughs> yeah, of the smartest the characters lives. in this film. Because mm-hmm. the ghosts or whatever, they don't mess with the dog, and the dog's like, yeah, I ain't messing with that either. So <laughs> I guess well, they again, just have this, they just have this like rapport with each other because you see at the end, it jumps in the car with them, and you're like, awesome. Right. And I think the like the, at the sort of like hour 40 mark, we basically get a, a, an actual ending to the movie. And then we keep going to for a pretty much an amazing sort of like post text. I love that. Uh, that made that actually, is what makes the movie to me. It because it because it, it actually because like after they find her and get her back, you'd think, all right, great, we've but like we really haven't solved anything. Like we've just gotten the kid back. We actually need to you know solve the problem of you know the portal in our house. Yeah, uh, most movies most movies would end right there though. Mm-hmm. So or you'd think when, that they'd maybe move away right after that happened. <laughs> well, it was at that point. So Tangina, which Zelda Rubinstein, she is absolutely amazing in this. Um, she's the medium who comes in, who helps to get, uh, helps to get their daughter back to get Carol Ann. Um, absolutely awesome in this film. The coolest voice. She's in the whole trilogy, actually. Um, or maybe not in the second one. I know she's in the third one. Uh, we don't really like to talk about two and three because they're not really good. Two has some good special effects. Three, not that great. Uh, those, yeah, that final moment, you think in any other movie, it would end right there. You know, you get the kid back, and it's over, and then they would move, end of film, and that's kind of how this was going. They're like, hey, we're moving, we're gonna get out of here. And then they're like, nah, man, that's not the real ending. You wanna know what the real ending is? You can't escape. We're gonna still try and come after her, because everyone else would go, okay, cool, you saved her. Well, why wouldn't it still try and come after her again? Yeah, they are still gonna come after Carol Ann, let's watch. And I think it's the uh, it's the still like rather like no we're not done yet with this type of attitude that these that, like the, that the void calls back to um, and to finalize on an awesome effect of basically crumbling and sucking in the entire house into a portal like that was probably the best effect in this movie. I yeah, I mean, well, well, I think did. so. So there was the the dead body pool scene. I would say is pretty insane, um, because they were actual dead bodies in the pool that they used. It was yeah, they didn't tell Joe Beth Williams when she was doing it, but it was actual dead bodies in the pool, like skeletons and stuff. And not like dead body dead, but skeletons. It was human skeletons that were in there for parts of it. Yes. There's a lot of crazy stuff, man. And then you also have the poltergeist curse of. Uh, 
Heather O'Rourke dying during the production of the third one due to um, intestinal blockage. Uh, Dominique, Do- or Dominique, um, what is her name? Dominique Dunn was murdered by her boyfriend two months after or two years after this film or something like that. And then the guy from the second one died. A lot of there's been a lot of random deaths, just very spooky stuff that's happened with it. So people say that there's this poltergeist curse uh, that that's happened with the film. Uh, they also did a remake, I guess, in 2015. Sam Rockwell's in it. I didn't see it. I don't think many people did. Yeah, it's just why re- why remake something that's already amazing? It doesn't make sense. No, no, it doesn't make sense at all. Um, but yeah. I think it's a like that ending is probably perfect. Oh, I, it's amazing! That final attack is so insane. Everything, basically, it's throw everything in the kitchen sink. You have all these coffins that are coming up. You find out that it's ba- it like the uh, land or the development company basically moved the cemetery and the headstones, but it didn't move the bodies. So they built all these houses over the uh, these bodies, which kind of you know it creates that you built on a graveyard. Not a good idea. So, you know, the the land's cursed and everything, and that's why all this is happening. All the bodies come out, you know, uh, sh- the bed flies around, Joe Beth Williams gets thrown, they, the door to the closet turns into this weird organic uh, breathing entity basically it's almost like that giant head is merged with part of the house and it's like this thing in itself trying to bring uh carol ann back into it yes it feels like it's trying to break out of where it is coming from just to reach back and bring her and pull her out and it's it's like a it's it's a tangible feeling that you can get that like this sort of writhing house that is just like breaking itself out just to get this thing back. Uh, it's it's an amazing sequence of events that ends with them just leaving and just flying out of the house because we we'd like to think that this these incidents are isolated and like uh, again lesser movies would kind of just like have like oh the neighborhood isn't really aware of any of this happening and like like nothing is really like seen as much outside so it's just like nobody really believes them but no at the end of it all like it just explodes outward throughout the neighborhood uh like so there's no way people didn't see it everyone is there watching it happen you know you have the daughter coming back like screaming what's happening and everyone knows what is going on at this point Mm -hmm. like there's some bodies are everywhere you know coffins and stuff uh you know or dead you know just the pool that pool scene's insane her trying to get out of that it is it is and it's and it's just i love that it's not contained to just the house by the end of it it's that it, it is it is seeping out into the neighborhood and like you see plumes of fire and stuff like just come out through the rest of the neighborhood it's incredible yeah it's it's absolutely amazing and you know for a movie that was under an 11 million dollar budget to do a worldwide gross of over 120 million oh like blockbuster numbers like absolutely good like this was like this is an un like unparalleled success for the time i'm certain uh yeah i mean this is this is definitely one that spawned uh, a lot of imitators and unfortunately some some lesser than sequels so but exactly hey uh, but know, again I, uh, I think 
I yeah. want I want to kind of end on that last shot because I think it's perfectly hilarious and poignant. Just like throwing so the TV out of the <laughs> out of the hotel room because it's like, well, at, at their family's Inn. never gonna they're never gonna have a TV ever again. Yeah, you see the Holiday Inn in the background, like that they're at that sign. They go in, everyone goes in, they close the door, the door opens, they roll the TV out, and Perfect they close the touch. door. End Perfect of movie. Touch. So good. Yes, just like cla- snaps, claps, all around. Yeah. Uh, could not have been happier with uh, just because again, I I expect like I did not know how influential this movie clearly was. Only having seen it now, I'm like, oh, this is where this can come from. And yeah, I'm I, like, oh, out yeah. of the out of pop culture zeitgeist of like just like home haunting movies. Not that many movies can capture what this movie did. And I'm Dude, there's really... so many individual moments. I mean, the clown attack, all that stuff, and then nominated for three Academy Awards. Like, this movie this movie encapsulates everything that's amazing about horror. And yeah, the spectacle I of think... horror, really. Like the like the wonderment and excitement that can come from it. Yes. This is this is a must watch for anybody, horror fan or not, I think everybody needs to watch Poltergeist. I'm glad that we're getting getting like the bangers out for Halloween and October, uh, because next time uh, we got a pretty an- well anticipated sequel, like 40 years in the making. Yeah, we are taking a look at the new Halloween. Um, yes, so the we get to see Halloween. Yeah, we get to see Jamie Lee Curtis uh, at it again as Laurie Strode. I'm very excited to see this. Right, so uh, we will be we spoiling will be... the ever-loving shit out of that one. So if you we have, will... not, if, you, if you don't get to see it on the weekend, uh, hold off on listening maybe until you actually go out and see it, uh, because we'll be talking a lot about that and the legacy of the Halloween franchise uh, later yeah. on this month. Yeah, I would say go go see it immediately. Though uh, we're, I mean, I'm definitely going to go see it this weekend. So yes, as will I, and we will oh, be yeah. re- reporting back to you next week for that episode. But so soon. Mm-hmm. For now, uh, we have been Oh the Horror, and uh, you can check us out pretty much anywhere you can find people. That's Facebook, that's Twitter, that's Instagram, uh, and all of your other platforms of choice. You can find us anywhere you get your podcasts. Uh, because we're on all those things. Uh, if you'd like, leave us a review on your platform of choice because that helps out the show, helps people find the show. Uh, yeah, tell you your friends in- and stuff like that. Yeah, we really appreciate it. We've been liking yeah. the support you've been getting, and uh, it's been great to connect with all of you guys. Uh, you can also email us at ohthehorrorcast mm-hmm. at gmail.com. If you'd like any suggestions or praise, let us know. And uh, that is going to do it for us this week. I have been Steve Allman. And I've been Rob Holmes. And we'll see you guys next week. Look at me, Damien. It's all for you. Now, it is time to keep your appointment with the Wicker Man. When there's no more room in hell, the dead will walk here.